Hi there, it's Jamie Blair from Arrow Movement Academy and welcome to the Arrow Movement Academy podcast. Want to upgrade your performance? Then join the movement. On today's episode, we welcome Coach Robert Day, the Head Strength and Conditioning Coach at Robert Morris University. Coach Day discusses the importance of building an athletic foundation when making the transition from high school sports to being a full-time collegiate athlete. Hi, Coach Day. What's going on, Jamie? Just want to say thank you again for doing this. I really appreciate it. Oh, no problem, man. I'm excited. So at this point, I feel like I've known you in two capacities, once as an athlete and a second time around as a coach. So that leads to my first question. Was that the biggest waste of 7.50 an hour in, in the history of strength and conditioning? Oh, man. Oh, man. I mean, Jamie, it was fun having you as an athlete. You were a piss strong guy, but um, and you were a great coach, too. I'd love to get you back. <laughs> so. Um, so, like I says, I've known you in two capacities now, but for those that don't know anything about you, can you tell us a bit about yourself, please? Yeah, um, I'm currently the head conditioning coach at Robert Morris University, located in Pittsburgh, PA. Um, Division One athletics. I primarily work with football, um, volleyball, women's basketball, and oversee the entire department um, through and through. So all the teams fall under me from there. I came uh, came from Shippensburg University, where I worked with Jamie at. Um, oversaw all twenty teams as head strength coach there, and you know, kind of, I'll, I'll backtrack through a lot of different schools. But I mean, I've been ahead since I've been twenty three. I got really lucky, kind of getting out and. Uh, when I graduated from college and, um, you know, I graduated from the University of Lynchburg. That's what it is now down in Lynchburg, Virginia. Played lacrosse down there and really didn't know what I wanted to do. And honestly, got really lucky and fell into this uh, this career path. No lie. I mean, I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do. I had an idea and um, thought it was more private sector work. I had no idea what college strength conditioning was. Zero idea. Uh, I didn't have a college strength coach, so it just was foreign to me. And I got an internship at a place called Summit Sports in Villanova, PA, back in uh, Philadelphia, where I grew up. And um, um, from there, I went back to school. We actually had a first strength coach, started working with him at the college level, but um, got a job right out of college working at the same place at Summit. So I was like, all right, this is this is what it is. This is what I do, and this is what strength conditioning is. And I kind of thought that that's what I wanted to do. Like, that's you know, the epitome. I, we have some professional athletes training out of there, and I thought that was, that was cool and fun, and that was going to be my career. And it just, it wasn't. And, um, I got really lucky, man. Um, not gonna lie, man. I, uh, a job popped up and my mom was like, Hey, why don't you apply for this job? You meet the minimum criteria. It was head strength conditioning coach at a place called Rosemont college. And, uh, I said, sure. Why not? I mean, what could it hurt? So, you know, thank you, mom. And got the job at Rosemont college. It was a school that went from being a, uh, an all girls school to a co-ed school two years prior to getting there. No more than 800 kids. And, uh, you know, I took over everything at that program. Um, from there, you know, I started coaching some college across as well, played collegiately, wanted to coach, loved the sport. And, you know, wasn't sure where my career path was going to take me. So I uh, was a head strength coach there and I was assistant lacrosse coach there. And that actually got me a coaching job, uh, coaching lacrosse at Albright College, uh, paid more money, um, which wasn't a lot. Um, I got, you know, and... <laughs> did some strength teaching at Albright and I was more of a lacrosse coach there. And, um, at Albright, I fell into the, uh, the interim head lacrosse coach title. So I've, I've been a sport coach and, and I ended up having to take over the lacrosse program, not the strength program, but lacrosse program over there. And, um, 
they ended up bringing in another guy. So they told me I wouldn't be retained or if he didn't want me. So I found another job, got a job working again as lacrosse coach at your college. They didn't have strength coaches over there. So I, I pretty much, you know, we, we started the program from scratch. Um, they had two sport coaches over there that did it, but they didn't really have a background in it. And I did. So I, I and I, I ran with it. it. York was great. You know, I got to coach lacrosse and I got to coach a bunch of other teams in the weight room. Um, and it was a great time. And, and at that point, I really figured out strength fishing was my, uh, was my career path. So um, previously the internship at Villanova when I was at Rosemont and called back up my guy at Villanova and asked to, to come back to Nova. So I went back to Nova that summer knew, knowing that I needed to uh, get some more experience. And, uh, you know, he was happy enough to, to uh, take me back on board and, ironically enough as soon as my, my season ended for lacrosse I started my internship at Nova and got a call up for a job I applied for in Millersville and I got the head football strength and job at Millersville D2 and you know from there I, I continued to kind of bounce around you know from Millersville I went to Shippensburg um, I did a few other internships I interned at Mount St. Mary's while I was at Ship I interned at Udale was at Ship and um, you know I've been a bunch of different places and I, I continue to hopefully grow in this field. Loads of experience um was it Rosemont or Albright that had the leaky roof? Oh, that was Rosemont. Uh, the uh, okay. Rosemont man was so unique. Every kid there, and I, I'm not gonna. I, I love Rosemont, so I'm gonna start with that. And and it's where I was given my career start there. But um, they their athletic department is is very uh, very small, and the student body is very small. And the teams are very small, like very small. I had 55 guys on my lacrosse team. They could barely feel 22. And, I mean, we would play 23. So you get some injuries and they got nobody's, you know, just they're, they're getting down the bare bones. So you'd have kids playing three different sports, like a small high school at the college level there. So they never have an off season. Um, the weight room was this dinky thing. You shared it with the, uh, the general public. It was carpeted. I had broken treadmills. I had missing dumbbells, broken dumbbells, broken med balls, one rack, double-sided half rack for all my varsity teams, along with the general public, a Smith machine, just random, random equipment. Like um, we're lucky enough to be attached to the basketball courts. We do a lot of work on the basketball courts, sprints, jumps, stuff like that, warm up out there. But it was, uh, it was interesting. And the, the point Jamie's referencing is man in February and I could dig up the video, walked into my weight room one day, we had an ice storm and a goddamn tree fell in the freaking weight room hole right through the right through the freaking roof right on top of the only rack i had in that weight room destroyed the platform poured all over it i had to i had to cut my you know thousand square foot weight room in half find a way to train the athletes and i didn't know any better so we did um fortunately you're resourceful it made me a better coach so i can't you know I got to thank Rosemont for that. Speaking of becoming a better coach, um, is there any particular individuals that have strongly influenced you within your career? I've had a lot in here, Bubs. Again, I got my son here with me, so see so yeah, bud. Hey, Bob. Hi. There you go. Um, I mean, I, you always get started. I mean, in terms of coaching, the first coach you really ever have is your, your parents. And, you know, my parents did a really good job coaching me. Um, and just teaching me the, the type of values that I think a uh, really anybody in any career path, you know, would need to be successful. So, um, but outside of that, man, you know, there's, there's a really good book uh, by Joe Earlman. Um, oh God, I'm drawing a blank. What tells the book called? Come here, bud. Let's check for the book. Um, it's event transactional and, and um, 
transformational coaches. Oh, God. But pretty much the premises of the book is there's two different types of coaches. There's really good ones and there's really bad ones. And you're going to kind of be a little bit of both. And, you know, since a young age, man, I've had really, really, really good coaches and very few bad coaches. And I've had more people that have cared more about me as a person than, than an athlete, which has allowed me to develop and obviously make this in your career path or else I wouldn't be here. You know, in grade school, I had great football coaches growing up. At uh, high school, I, you know, late great Jim Algio was a great football coach it was always about a family football it was more than just playing the game um college man coach Kadelka, my college lacrosse coach again it was about being a man and everything that you did and it was more than the game and about how you'd grow up so um I've had great coaches from a from a mindset standpoint of how to approach this career path and and how I should do things um and then, I mean, within the field and kind of, you know, big influences in terms of strength and conditioning. Um, I mean, Jake Cox has been the biggest one. Jake is currently out of the field. Um, he was my, uh, my mentor at Villanova, both since there. And um, I just talked to him another day, doing well. He's going to move to Vietnam um, and he kind of lived the best life. Um, but, I mean, he moved on to Baylor from there, was a, the associate director of football strength teaching at Baylor. And, um I mean, from how I operate and do things on a daily basis, how I think, you know, how I attack workouts and try to organize things that that was all, you know, you know, him and, and the way I view things. I mean, hell, even the weight cards that I still use tweaked and adapted and modified or, you know, some of the things that, that he showed us and taught us and allowed us to develop and learn. So um, he was a big one. Mike Saracino, also a Villanova man, and he taught, taught us a lot more about you know, how to work with Olympic sports. Jake was really good with football. Um, Cena was very good with a lot of other teams and how to be a chameleon. So uh, Mike Saraceno kind of, you know, when you got women's lax and then you got men's lax are two different cultures um, at that school, you know, adapt, adjust, and then be able to coach to be able to get the most out of the athletes. Same thing with softball and then soccer. I mean, it constantly changed and you could see him change and, and still get the most out of the athletes. So that was pretty big. Um, I'd say, I mean, from that, from a standpoint, they're, they're both two really big ones, man. Um, I was really blessed to work under um, Brandon O'Leary. He's now at George Washington men's basketball. Learned a lot from him and same with Chris Stewart at, at university of Delaware. Uh, both taught me a lot as well, but you know, when I was really getting into the field, man, um, you know, those, you know, the, uh, I'm a big believer that your first internship is always the most important one. So um, I do believe that, that Jake and, and Cena were the, were the two biggest in uh, developing me as a coach in this career. I mean, that's definitely why I'm grateful that like my first internship or coaching experience came under yourself because um, you've influenced a lot of what I do right now. And uh, speaking of which, one thing I like about the way you do your programming is that you kind of program differently for your more or better trained athletes than you do for your freshmen or incomers. Um, can you explain to me why that's important? Um, I mean, training age is, is real, man. Like you're going to get guys that know how to move and you're going to get guys that don't. And if they don't know how to move, they're going to set themselves up for, for failure. I mean, we're, we're working with athletes and at the end of the day, you know, they don't play barbells. They, they play their sport. So if they don't move well, they're more likely to get hurt. If they're more likely to get hurt on your time, they're not available, um, they're not accessible, they're not going to get better, they're not going to develop with you or with the sport coach. So everybody's pissed. They're pissed. I'm pissed. Sport coach is pissed. Mom and dad is pissed. Um, 
So tiering a program for your athletes, even if it's just one layer, your freshmen to vets, I think is imperative. Um, and the, the foundation, like, you know, I'll use football here, Robert Morris, but I do, I do this again with volleyball and wins basketball. We'll, we'll have different tiers to it as well. Um, first phase would be ground zero. And this is what we call it. It's do they have the general physical uh, preparedness to be able to physically do the work? Can they, are they in shape enough? Um, and then, you know, body weight movements, can they, can they handle and, and sustain movements and just have the correct work capacity. So that's really, that's a big one. Usually that lasts anywhere from two to four weeks. Um, and then the, the next one's foundational, which depending on how much time you have with the athletes, as I get going here, I might have to stop my kitties digging through a bag here. So, um, but foundational is that there's an next picture. That's just teaching the athletes fun, fundamental movements, how to move appropriately. So your squat, your hinge, your press, your pull, that's your upper lower. Um, uh, and we're talking about vertical pressing upper body, horizontal pressing upper body. We're talking about vertical and horizontal pulling upper body. And then any type of core work. And you were talking about bracing, lateral flexion, um, anti-extension. I mean, you name it, uh, working on the inner unit touching on all those different little things to make sure that the athlete is fundamentally set up for success. That way, when you really start loading the barbell and advancing the movements, they're proficient. And then they can start building off of what they already know. You know, it's no different than sometimes what sport coaches do. Some, you know, the better sport coaches do it. If an athlete struggles to piece together X, Y, and Z, they'll break it up into smaller pieces and the simplest piece. And then they'll start to add to it. So I don't think it's uh anything crazy i do think it's imperative to you know the the athlete's development um we're looking at football the foundational phase will last sometime through early training camp all the way through um the end of the season and the reason we don't start in the summer is because our athletes are here voluntarily and uh we, we don't have the scholarship forms if i if i could they would start in the summer so that would give me even more time and i would just i wouldn't i wouldn't speed up the process i would actually make the foundational program longer um i just don't think it hurts them to go through it um going into their freshman off season so the uh, spring semester the every single freshman will, will bump into a developmental phase uh, at that point we're trying to develop like app, um, relative strength can we get them strong um we'll have some vets that are in that program too that just no, no offense to them that they move poorly or they're weak and I'm not going to be the first guy to say that every single one of my athletes is the best mover. They, they are athletes first and foremost. So that doesn't mean that they're all the best. Um, but I do like to think that they, they do move very proficiently and safely. So um, some, some of the vets will stay down and hopefully advance up and the freshmen do the same thing too. And the goal is just to de develop that relative strength base. Um, that'll kind of curve them through this summer. And I'm talking about freshmen here. So this is the maturation from freshmen the entire way through. Don't take them through their, their summer here where we try to develop like an absolute strength base into the season. We're working on power and speed. And then again, we hit the all season again. So now you're looking at a, at a um, let's say ideally it's a redshirt freshman or a sophomore academically um, in their spring semester. And at this point, again, you're trying to develop absolute strength, trying to go back at that once again from the summer. And then in the summer of their sophomore year, redshirt freshman year, you're looking to uh, develop some absolute power and go into the semester you're in season, absolute uh, power and speed throughout the semester and, and just kind of maintain that and keep the athletes healthy there. Um, and you tier it. That would be an advanced program or excuse me, a team program. Then we go into our advanced program where, we, where things start to get a little fun. Um, 
that's where you might start doing some philosophy based training and some conjugate training with the athletes. Um, and, uh, and really playing with some things of, of developing just absolute power and speed. That's going to be, that's, that's really the, where you're trying to get the athletes to. And then the very few, you know, if they're, they're a red shirt, um, and they're going into that, uh, that last year, you might get another off season, fourth off season with them. I mean, that's, it's in there an elite guy, you're looking at a cat that might be getting drafted or just absolutely a freak in the weight room. Um, you might put them on an elite program where you're, you're truly just working on speed. You really start to cut back on. So we all have like Olympic lifts. You start to cut back on some of the Olympic lifts. You start doing some more bare bones there and, um, start doing some more, um, just some more athletically based, uh, challenging movements to challenge the athlete that is very capable of it. If we had omega waves, it'd be something where we train them on those, um, depending on how they felt for the given day, just because that's, that's where that athlete, um, is. So at the end of the day, it'd be nice to have a whole team of, you know, cats on that program. But again, you, you're going to get probably a handful, especially at the FCS level, maybe, maybe, um, maybe at some of the, the higher levels, the FBS, the power fives, you might get some more cats at, at that level. So, um, but again, it, it's having that concept where you're trying to develop the athlete holistically over the duration of their career, you're trying to make the most out of it, trying to maximize their athletic potential. Everybody has, you know, a ceiling to a certain degree, but it doesn't mean that, you know, your ceiling's low. We can continue to push it and, and, and get the athletes to where they, they, you know, hopefully can feel like they're competing and being at the, the best they possibly were. So. So you mentioned there that the later stages of those um, of their development, that if they're an absolute beast, they can kind of go to that advanced stage quite quickly or more quickly than their peers. Um, does this ever happen at the earlier stages at ground zero? You know, so, okay, a couple of things here. Um, you'll, you'll see some cats like we just had a freshman smash weight. Like uh, I could put him up a program. I'm not going to. Um, there's no point to. He's got, he's going to have his years here unless he transfers on us. He's going to have his years here. Um, so we'll, we'll continue to develop them. You know, we have a plan for him, which is pretty cool. And I think at the end of the day, that's only going to aid him when he does get to a more advanced program. Um, there's also athletes that, that get injured. I mean, if I have an athlete coming off a of surgery, you know, say that they're on advanced program and I'm not going to keep them there. I mean, I'm going to regress them. Big part of the developmental program is we'll do a lot of tempo work. So a lot of eccentrics and isos. And I mean, that's going to drastically help some of our injured athletes just return to play um or we can kind of say, say they're they're clear to train they might not be clear for sport or maybe they are cleared to play their sport but you you know they still aren't truly back yet but they're back according to um x y and z um those athletes will go back on that developmental program just to kind of catch them back up again and, and depending on you know usually about halfway through we'll evaluate where they're at and we might bump them back up again or maybe keep them back in the program for the entire semester and bump them back up later on and, and just see where they are after six to eight weeks of training is really the big thing. So you have your, your injured athletes that always bump back down and we'll try to bump them back up. Um, and then you have some of the, the younger guys that obviously are more advanced than not. And, you know, it's, at certain points, sometimes some of the vets, um, I do a lot of, so we're going to use squat and bench and, and uh, overall their totals between the two. And I'm going to try to figure out a way that I'm, I'm going to add clean into it too, like a power clean, see where that, that tapers in with like an absolute number to be able to tear them up the levels as well as one that works with their, their relative body, you know, strength to weight ratio. Come here, bud. What's the matter? So 
that's going to be uh, that's going to be how they tear up the process and go back down. So again, if I put a guy in the uh, in developmental program that was advanced and they get back into it, and you know that the week one and two they're they're hurting, week three four they're feeling you know better, but there's you know they're kind of getting back in the swing of things. Five six you might start seeing them smash away. They're trying to get back to themselves again, and you might be like, all right, I can pull them back up. They're looking pretty good. Nice. So in your experience, when an athlete goes from playing high school sports and they make the transition to full-time collegiate sport, what are the common physical uh, discrepancies in those athletes? It's fast. Um, I mean, your high school athletes, man, like they, every single one of them are different. Just like your college, I mean, that's where they come to. They're all so different, man. Like, um, depending on the sport that they play, and even that doesn't matter, but, uh, it, you know, in America, obviously football is your predominant sport and training usually goes hand in hand with it. And you'd still be surprised how many guys don't know how to train or, or don't have a good strength program. And I'm not trying to knock a lot of high school strength coaches. I think a lot of them do a really good job, and you can tell it. I mean, we got cats. We use these these guys here. Um, I had a cat from St. Ed's. They do a great job up at St. Ed's in, in Cleveland, Ohio. I mean, the cat moves awesome. He's a guy that we could bump up if we want. He's that strong and he moves that well. And then you have other guys that, you know, they're, they've always gotten by on just their raw athleticism or strength or whatever else. And they move terrible. Um, sometimes they even come from good strength programs. It's, it's just, again, how much time do they put into it? So you're going to get such a wide variety. Uh, I got volleyball. Volleyball usually trains pretty big in there. You know, I, it's funny. My, uh, I'm going to say this. Maybe he's listening. Maybe not. But my volleyball coach is like, yeah, with these three girls, you know, you know, two of them are going to be really well trained. And I'd say that the three of them, we first got them here, I regretted what I implemented and regressed it immediately. Um, and that's not, it's not a knock on them. It's just, it's, it is what it is. It, it, you know, it, obviously a training program can be different too. My standard of a squat might be different than somebody else's. You know, I want to get that deep knee flexion. I want to get there. Some people don't do that. Um, some people stop. Some people still believe that it's it's bad for the knees to bend the knees that and, and get that low. Um, again, I that's not my thinking. That's not my thought process. But that might be how they were trained before. So you might have to to rewire them a different way. Um, and you know it, and I know it. I mean, you don't program identical to how I do. So there's some different thought processes there. Um, at the end of the day, the most important thing for getting high school athletes to the college setting is that they have some type of training age, that they've, they've had a strength coach, that they understand the standard, the culture, that they've, they've been held accountable to do things the right way, uh, whatever they're being taught. And that's, that's going to be the most important thing. Because, again, we'll teach them just like a coach with a new playbook. Like their high school coach wasn't wrong for teaching them X, Y, and Z play and running, running a certain system. You know, neither am I. And neither, neither is a high school strength coach for doing that. But um, at the end of the day, to have that base and, and have that somewhat of a training age and somewhat of a familiarity with what to do in a, uh, a strength teaching program and in a weight room, it, it's important for high school athletes. And hopefully we can continue to progress the field at the high school level. Definitely. Um, so in regards to the three volleyball players that you're talking about there, when you do make those regressions, how do you communicate that with them? Um, it's a good question. I'm thinking back on that one. Um, I mean, it wasn't that difficult. I was like, Hey, this pretty much, this wasn't working. You know, we, 
let's try X, Y, and Z and see how this looks first. And then we'll go back to this again. Um, I was told that they're pretty proficient in their Olympic movements. So again, I'm not going to do anything wild with them. We went through some, I gave them only tech day one, my mistake. I should have went right to goblet squat and uh, just RDL bar tracing patterns with the barbell. That's what we did after that first day. Um, and, uh, and it wasn't a big deal. I mean, at the end, you know, at the end of the day, I think that everybody wants to do what everybody else is doing, but they also don't. Does that make sense? Yeah. But they want something individualized, but they, you know, but at the same time, they don't want to feel like they're behind. Um, but if you start to talk to them about, you know, where they are and where they're going, like those three freshman volleyball players move much better than some of my veterans do because I've had some more time with them to develop their movement patterns and slow cook them a little bit longer. I, I picked up the volleyball team last January, 2020. So I had eight weeks and then COVID hit. Um, that was the most I worked with them. Then I got them in the school semester. And again, you have your issues here and there where training's kind of elder skelter with COVID. So um, I'd say the freshmen have had more, you know, more of a foundational program than the veterans. Cause I'm not going to regress. We had eight seniors on our volleyball team, which is a lot. That's more than the team, man. Um, so I wasn't going to sit there and I wasn't not, and again, I'm not, I'm not going to hurt them, but I wasn't going to regress them. I need to get buy-in too. You're not going to believe in a program. You know, they've, they've been cleaning and back squatting and doing a bunch of other things with their old strength coach. Then to some degree, I'm going to work with that until we start to build you know, the system from the ground up from where I want it. You know what I'm saying? So the freshman volleyball players were able to go through that a lot more than any of the other veterans. And, uh, you could just see their movement patterns. They just look much cleaner. They're a little bit more disciplined with it. And that's no knock on, you know, the vets. That's no knock on uh, the previous strength coach. They just taught things a different way. And, you know, I'm going to have more time and to establish what I want to do. And, I'll, again, I'll have another class. That means we'll be able to build on it once again. So now they have some some sophomores, some upperclassmen that, that now understand what I'm trying to do and will have more time under the belt. And then you have the freshmen there and you'll have a larger group of freshmen. So now more than the team is going to be doing that than what they were doing. So there's, it's, it's, um, it's a good thing because you, you know, at the end of the day, you know, being able to stay somewhere and Jamie, you remember this, I was in and out of ship quick. I was there for a year and a half. I'm coming on three years here and, you know, hopefully I'm here a few more years and, and you start to see the, the maturation of a training program a lot more. I mean, I really didn't get to implement much, at Shippensburg when it came down to tiering a program and developing the athletes long-term. So. Yeah. There's uh, something that comes to mind when we've been talking about this, like kind of building foundations and it's the way that you build the base, the higher you can build the peak. And while it's over said, it still stands true. You know, love it. I love that. Um, so we're about to conclude the first episode, but before we do so, we're going to play a game. Okay. All right. So underrated, overrated. Okay. And I'm going underrated, to overrated. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to list a number of terms that relate to either health or training. And without okay. you explaining, you have to tell me if it's underrated or overrated. <laughs> okay. In comparison to the general consensus. Okay. All right. So, coach, are you ready? Yeah. Push ups. Underrated. Jump rope. I'm going to say underrated. Static stretching. 
Oh, context is so much better with this. Um, <laughs> we'll come back to any surprising ones. Don't worry. <laughs> static stretching. I'm going to say... Oh, I'm going to say underrated because I feel like people are getting away from it. I totally agree with that. One rep max testing. Overrated. Wall sets. Uh, I'm not a fan of overrated. Calf raises. Calf raises. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to say overrated on that one, but I do have my opinions on the ankle complex too. So Yeah, I've never seen calf raises in any of your programs. Yeah, just because, I mean, if you get triple extension in any type of Olympic movement. And you said that last time I asked. <laughs> you're sprinting, you're calf raising. You're doing X, Y, and Z, yeah. GPS tech. Um, I, ooh, I think that's overrated. Uh, we do a lot of stuff here. We don't have any technology or very few. And I mean, I can track workload through Excel. I can do all that stuff. You just got to pull and put in the time. Um, we do CNS tracking. I mean, you start to correlate that with weight, you start to correlate that with the, the grip for CNS, you start to correlate that with their workload and their RPE. And, uh, we do some, uh, we have a jump mat. So you start to correlate that with some of their peak averages and you start to come up with a, uh, you know, obviously a bigger picture on daily on a daily. So I, I think the GPS is overrated, but much, um, much easier on us. Whey protein. That's overrated from the general public standpoint. Conventional deadlift. I like these. You got good ones here. Um, <laughs> I am going to go lender rated because that would be a foundational movement for us to be able to clean for the floor. Okay. Foam rolling. <laughs> this falls in the same one as static stretching. I know. It's it's people are overvaluing this one now. Um, if Mike Boyle hears this, he's probably going to disagree. <laughs> um, I just think there's a time and a place. I think it's. I think it's overrated. I, I, it's not going to prevent injuries. Right. <laughs> Look, Coach, um, thank you for being involved in my first episode. It's been a pleasure. All right, Jamie. I really appreciate it, my man. Hi there. It's Jamie Blair from Arrow Movement Academy. I just want to thank you for listening to today's episode of the Arrow Movement Academy podcast. Want to upgrade your performance? You know what to do.